I would turn up to a mate's place, but he would have a shot ready for me, just because it was hot, and he'd come in and he'd shove it in my arm as soon as I walked in the door, and we'd fuck. Then I did that with other people. By that point, it was just reckless, uh, destructive behaviour. It wasn't about enhancing, it was about destroying. Slamming, it's the unspoken element of chemsex. Gay men injecting meth and having sex. Welcome to Inside HIV, the podcast for positive people. Made possible thanks to the Victorian AIDS Council, VAC, working together, and Vive Healthcare, Positive Action Community Grants. Follow on Twitter at HIV Podcast and like us on Facebook. Hi, I'm Dean Beck, and in this episode of Inside HIV, I'm sharing with you an interview that I first did for my show, Hide and Seek, on Joy 94.9. It's by far the most honest, raw, and probably the most powerful account I've ever heard from a gay man locally about their injecting drug use. My guest, whose voice has been altered to protect his anonymity, went from being a highly paid white-collar worker to losing the lot. And a warning, this interview contains very graphic conversations about injecting drug use and sex. you start out getting into drug use and 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 when did it go from being something that was I guess a fun part of life to something that was taking over your life? Well that, that actually spanned over a sort of an 11 year period in, in real terms but I, it started like just as a probably about 22 you know the usual pills out and that sort of stuff and um, and, and a bit of speed and, and likes and then um there was one particular event that I guess was, was pivotal where um, I, I grew up in Adelaide and uh, we were, I went out um, after chasing this bloke for quite a long time. We um, found ourselves in a hotel in the Adelaide Hills and um, that was the first time that I was exposed to um, injecting drugs and, uh, and that was meth was the, was the first time. And Had you had crystal in other forms prior, other than injecting it before? Yeah, you had smoked it and, uh, and also uh, we didn't mind snorting it actually. It was sort of the way... Um, but I guess it hadn't been that um, association with sex. Like it was out, you'd, you'd do it as part of a going out process where this was... So it was out on the dance floor sort of yeah, thing, not in really, the bedroom, right? Exactly. So yeah. we, it was, we used to say that, uh, you know, um, uh, a pill and powder went together like peas and carrots. And so we'd uh, um, have our, our, our entree dinner out and then, um, and then you know, obviously if you, you picked up all the better. But I guess the two were quite exclusive from each other. One led to the other often. But this was very different. This was about, um, it was put to me in such a way that this would actually be for sex. And uh, I'd never thought of it like that. Um, and, uh, well, well, wow, wasn't he right? What went through your head when you were posed with that question uh, the first time around? Well, I, I think of the environment. A uh, guy I'd been chasing for a couple of months, we started getting really well. He was hot as fuck. And, uh, and so we, I was yeah, really into him. And, and he had this little look in his eye and suggested we try something different. Um, and put it in such a way that it would be... Uh, um, the best fuck of my life, and I mean that's a that's a pretty big uh, challenge to put out, and uh, and just that look in his eye was kind of hot. So um, uh, I was a little bit sort of edgy about it, but 
that moment for a fleeting second, and uh, and then this kind of raw fuck it, yeah, let's do this. Uh, it came over, over, and um, uh, and uh, and he didn't, he was wrong. So describe that first experience for us. Look, uh, so I imagine you're on, on a bed in a hotel where we're naked. He was fiddling around with um, getting things ready for about ten minutes, and I kind of had this sort of palpitation, almost uh, sense of excitement, but a sort of a bit of an unknown. Um, and then the other part of me, a little bit of the head was talking, saying you shouldn't do this, you know, and uh, uh, I, I shut that voice up pretty quickly. And uh, and then, he, you know, the actual putting in the needle component of it, I won't lie to you, it was fucking erotic. It was it was hot. I, 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 can't, I would never have thought it. And, uh, and, and the experience for that next two minutes was, was just this extraordinary level of intensity that I, I'd not... Um, not thought humanly possible. That experience in itself is not enough for someone to become addicted to something, though. Uh, look, no, and, and there's a little bit of yes in that too. So um, in that that experience changed something in me that it it was a new barometer uh, level, if you like, and, uh, and one that for whatever reason my brain kept revisiting. A new baseline. Yeah, and, and but, but one that, you know, your brain always thinks of different things, but this thing just kept popping back in my head, and and I I can't describe it other than that. But it was almost like the uh, something was seeking it out. So I, I've never been a smoker. I've never had um, you know, drink and eat too much, but I've never been a uh, that sort of craving kind of thing. And this just would appear at the strangest of times. I could be at work, and uh, and 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 is it like a twinge? What yeah, is and, and actually, the feeling of the heart would, would move, and I'd, and and I'd I'd touch my vein. It was it was a uh, um, so it was something that, and at the time, I probably wasn't conscious of all of this. Um, but it was certainly physical. Absolutely. Right. In, in fact, it was. It was as much. Uh, I, I, I could even uh, rethink about it, and my my heart would race faster, and uh, and so it was uh, partly involuntary, and uh, and and partly really good. Uh, and for a period, look, I probably only shot up five times in in, in that area, but and, and sort of preempting. This isn't a glorifying thing. It's um, uh, something changing me, not necessarily for the better, as a result of that. So, going from that first occasion to then doing it, I guess a second time, and then a third time, and then a fourth time. Tell us about that process. How how did it unfold? Look, um, it was that I was a bit. It was so good. I was also a little bit daunted. So, I guess the next day I'm sitting thinking that was fantastic. Uh, a week later, I went through a bit of a process of really thinking, wow. This is um, that was good, but what does it mean? And uh, and so I sort of stayed away for a while and, and, and did it. But we stayed together with with Seb for for you know a couple of years or just under. And so every so often we did it um, as fuck buddies or as partners or a bit of both. So right? it was kind yeah. of a uh, it was something you shared together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, um, and he did a lot more than I did. And but um, but uh, it was when I did it, it was only ever with him, and there was a bit of trust. And then on about the fourth or fifth time, a couple of others joined in, and that was my first insight into what would then be called the party and play movement in a in a broader broader sense. Let's talk about that. Um, when others were involved, how did that unfold? Because I imagine it uh, would be something that some people would instantly run away from at a, at a million miles, and it would also be like a magnet to others. Yeah. So Seb was probably the facilitator of that. So these were pre-confirmed people, if you like. So it was it was uh, it was a known thing, preordained almost. Yep. Yeah. So and uh, and so there was none of that awkward kind of questioning, which has happened since. Um, so yeah, so anyway, I ended up moving from from Adelaide um, to to here, and uh, 
and so I, I kind of just got a bit distant for a little while. Um, and and I thought about it a little bit, and then as every year ticked by over here, I, I kind of started to forget about that life. And by moving here, I didn't know anyone in that scene, and um, and you know you knew it was around, but it wasn't something I was closely connected to. And it was also bloody expensive here comparatively as well, right? Um, which meant that it, it just sort of um, didn't fit. And if you're going to blow that sort of money, we were sort of going to nice restaurants and enjoying you know the Friday night degustations. But it did get out of hand. Absolutely. So so how? Uh, look, it, it sort of fast forward about seven years, give or take, and I ended up uh, having to work up in Sydney, uh, and um, I was with a good job, and, and they paid for me to move up there, and uh, right in the guts of Darlinghurst or in, the, in that space, Surrey Hills, and uh, and it was I was in the thick of it, and I guess um, uh, a mate that was living with me, well, actually, funny enough, a mate from Adelaide, um, was staying at, at, at the house I was working from or living in, and. Um, Anyway, one day, uh, about six or eight weeks in, he had a sharp spin, but he was just looking dust in his bedroom. And anyway, um, I just spied it. And I've got to tell you, it was the uh, this, this experience was, was visceral. It, it, it I, I couldn't hear him anymore. My ears started to ring. All I could think of, um, which was one of the you know one of the symptoms, or you can happen if you if you blast, is you can get a, a ringing in your ears. So all these physical symptoms just came rushing back. And literally, imagine him being turned off. So. The sight of the sharp spin, the yellow container, was a trigger. Bear in mind, after six weeks in Sydney, there was a lot of exposure to it. Not to say that Sydney's the axis of evil, but if you're in the guts of Darlinghurst and you want to find yourself in trouble, it's 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 not far away. No, <laughs> no. and uh, um, and so and I, and I had a funny feeling that my mate was was playing up a little bit, and uh, we've never ever spoken about that uh, topic. And, and so it was sort of around. So don't imagine it's just a single one thing, but that definitely was a, a major sort of whack. And um, uh, and I just basically said to him, can you get meth? You know, and uh, it turns out in Sydney there's even, even fucking uh, vending machines for needles. I mean, uh, uh, which, well, well, perversely gave me a giggle. Um, le- less, literally less than an hour, I had a, had a gram of meth and, uh, and we had a, uh, our place was a fuck festival for, for three days. Um, and that, that kind of set me off on a uh, slightly different path. You, you mentioned just then you went off on a different path. Um, you had a good career. You had uh, a stable job. Uh, and uh, you were financially secure. That started to take a nosedive. Yeah, completely. So you imagine um, you're in the hundreds of thousands in the, in the black to, to being, by the end of it, um, after a certain legal action taken against me and everything, half a million dollars in debt. Um, and, That's uh, a lot of money. Yes, it is a lot of money. Um, uh, some of that was as a result of being sued for some mistakes, and uh, and part of that was just blowing all my money. And uh, and uh, those mistakes were professional mistakes, I gather. But do you put that down to your lack of judgment by being uh, addicted to yep. crystal? I, uh, I I signed certain documents that uh, made me personally liable for some things that um, that if you'd had a clear head, you don't think you would have oh, done. No fucking way in the world, right? Um, and uh, um, and and you you can uh, when you're in that state, uh, legal lines can become a little blurry as well. Uh, what is right and wrong? What is you know what does the law actually mean? What is this? And so suddenly I um, uh, I, I guess it yes I'm not going to say with certainty, but certainly I, I crossed some lines um, with that 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 people weren't appreciative of, and some of them took retribution pretty 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 tightly. 
some of uh, that expenditure, though, or that, that loss of uh, funds was also due to, I guess, uh, an ever-increasing demand for the drug. hundred grand. $100,000. At least. Uh, it, it probably, that's just the drug habit in that one year, at least, if not more. Um, I, I sort of, uh, in preparing for today, I tried to think about it, and uh, I spoke to a friend who was close at that time, and he, he estimates it more at 200 and I am. Um, uh, but you're talking every day... Um, Injecting every day? Um, look, except when I couldn't find my veins. Um, so they got to a point uh, where, and I still got scars from where basically taking to it, may as well take on the pickaxe. Um, uh, you know, that um, trying to drink Gatorade just to get your veins up kind of stuff. You know, it was a, a really sad, uh, like this this uh, addiction had got hold in a manner that I um, uh, can't explain. Like it got to, uh, I would turn up to a mate's place who was a good mate, but he would have a, a shot ready for me just because it was hot and he'd come in and he'd shove it in my arm as soon as I walked in the door and we'd fuck and and, and that then meant that you were doing all sorts of risky behaviours because then I did that with other people who I didn't trust and so you know you, you left it to the hands of the gods and so that, that, by that point it was just reckless uh, destructive behaviour it wasn't about enhancing it was about destroying it's it's a line that um, I often uh, have, have heard and read about that is crossed where um, one minute you're in control and then you're the next minute the drug's in control and you never really know when that happens. If I was to project on, a, on a, this downfall took about 12 months, I guess, in real time. Um, certainly by 12 months from the first day of the vending machine in Sydney, the, the honeymoon was <laughs> was well over and, and all that was behind was a train wreck. And um, uh, but say about the first three months, I was still functioning and everything was going all right at work and, and it was done and then the sick day started and then, and, you know, and then, and then it was, fuck, it's Monday night, I haven't, you know, so then at three o'clock when you had had your day in bed, you then get on grinder and next thing you know, it, is, yeah, it lights up and, and you know the usual suspects. And, uh, and then, of course, came the uh, the wonderful world of the packet, the, uh, um, the, the, you know, fucking hot guys that give up their body as long as you you know I had to do two things I had to stay hard if I could guarantee that sometimes I'd get drugs given to me and uh, alternatively if they, if, if um, you know in fact if, as long as you brought them over a treat then um, you could get some fucking oddies for a point or two and uh, so then that's when the credit card uh, money and you know so you, you know no longer just paying for your habit you're then feeding a monster um, part driven by ego and uh, getting Possibly boys outside your your grade, and um and, and in return, um if you gave them money, that'd be that'd be you know prostitution. But if you're giving them treats, well, you're just being nice, aren't you? And uh, and and you know, while there was some some interesting and fun experiences in that, it was um it was that was as addictive as well as the uh, the other. From what I can gather, though, the two are pretty much uh, in in synergy with each other. The the sex and and the crystal um, are um, hard to separate. There's no nice way to say it. I am better at sex on crystal, so I've got to make some choices. I either, you know, if you, you know, you even if you, you know, I've even gone after when I was going through the the process following uh, stopping. Um, uh, I went even see yoga people. I went and saw fucking uh, Buddhist type people. So you know, hey, what could what controls? What other physical things? What meditation can you do to to learn some other tricks? What part of your brain can you get in touch to do it? And uh, one of them laughed and said, "No, you've 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 tapped into that one. Um, you know, you that's the only way you get to that is is through powerful drugs like meth. And you've got to make a decision whether or not it is worth the extra performance for that." And then he said, 
I'm not your mum, but you gotta you gotta work that one out all by yourself. And uh, and so um, yeah, and, and then even things like you come a lot quicker. You know, so suddenly you know you you, you can't commit to a long session. You know, because it's just it's not necessarily something you can physically do. Um, and um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with that that's, that's kind of hard. We hear about the term, you know, functional drug user. We think that uh, drug addicts are, you know, gutter crawlers, etc., etc. You were a white-collar worker. White-collar, highly educated, you know, um, uh, very master's degree, you know, all the stuff that, uh, that you know. Um, and, in fact, um, in uh, going through some of the things that I had to because I got quite ill as a result of um, uh, my decisions was that um, apparently it's a, a big chunk of that market, particularly in the meth crowd, uh, are people that, that actually do think a lot and, uh, and are introspective a bit, that they, that sometimes either turns the brain on into a way that's uh, quite empowering or ultimately uh, focuses it more more uh, in other areas and so in other ways turns the brain off. So so that relationship... So that's the escapism yeah, element. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, so, um, and, uh, so sometimes it makes your brain even perform what you think is better and if you don't mind a bit of intellect, that kind of is good and... Uh, and if it also turns you into a wild animal, would normally you'd just be a bit bookish. Well, that's available too, and, and certainly that that part of it for me it did bring out a little little skank in me that I I kind of liked you know? <laughs> <laughs> that otherwise wouldn't have been. Look, it's there now. Now that I guess, <laughs> but it, it, it I don't it wouldn't have been found. I don't think if it wasn't for that. How did you get to a point where you knew that things had to change? I uh, look. That's a real simple one. Um, uh, it was when I got sent to the nuthouse because I was stuck in a physical, my brain actually stopped working to a point that I was stuck on the edge of my bed in a statue-like catatonic state. When you say a nuthouse, what do you mean? I got taken to St Vincent's um, uh, to Caritas there for, for two nights. The uh, psychiatric ward. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. Uh, uh, because my, um, uh, my brain had actually failed. Um, and what did that look like? Uh, I didn't wipe my ass to go to the toilet anymore. Um, my place looked like... Uh, uh, a crime scene as far as magic boxes, plates, the usual stuff. Just imagine all those basic functional things. So um, the the science term for all the doctors term was disorganised schizophrenia were the symptoms that I was demonstrating. Um, and uh, But it had come back not from... I mean, there was, I think, some history of, of my brain was predisposed to getting some things go wrong anyway, uh, but, uh, you know, I dared it into doing it properly and... And from what we uh, gather from uh, people who do have schizophrenic uh, outbursts, whether that be through marijuana or crystal or other things, um, it is even more prevalent if there is a predisposition. Yeah. Yes, certainly we've got a couple of uh, like uncles and aunts who are sort of in the family with it um, and some other ones close to which I won't go into, but uh, there was... Um, there, there was a risk of it. Um, and but you certainly thought... Yeah, and, and so I was very lucky, though, because... Um, uh, St Vincent's where it is in the guts of it uh, they they know what they're doing fucking oath yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, they if it wasn't for them I'd be in a bit of trouble so from that time in the hospital uh, what then happened to you to I guess over a period of time gradually rebuild your life and what uh, failures because I'm sure there were some uh, along the way and should, should mention with that I got fired along the way by the way so sort of uh, and you lost your job oh yeah absolutely and that was after being in the company for seven years and I, um, of which I had a shareholding in as well so um, uh, there was that, that, that firing was hard on everybody um, uh, as well um, so with relation to what went wrong um, uh, so I couldn't um, after 
I couldn't even really construct a sentence anymore properly in the same way. Uh, I had to learn to, to even do basic things like uh, learning to write some sentences again and um, on top of that I had to actually um, do some lot of rewiring of the brain. So there's a lot of the, the rehabilitation which included antipsychotic medication, it also included um, uh, a little bit of counselling but the issue wasn't, it wasn't drug use wasn't from me being depressed or anything like that, I, uh, I was an addict, good old fashioned. So the addiction medicine was, was very good as far as there was a lot of stuff around how to manage the addict in me and that included um, uh, transitioning through, uh, they had to put me on Ritalin for a while to, to, to wean me off my my addiction as well, which so that was about six months um, as well. I managed to find a way to snort that, which was pretty clever too, so um, uh, just to show that I was, despite everything, despite fucking literally losing a lot, and by this stage now, Salvos are helping to pay my rent and my place and giving me some food vouchers and even a couple of times doing shopping for me, and that was after being, yeah, in a very senior role in a um, professional services area, so it, um, uh, it, it was a very fascinating strolling into the Maroubra um, salvos, I can assure you. It's a hell of a fall from grace. Oh, it's never graceful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it was, but it, it, and it, it, it didn't, it was, I guess, a very indulgent, hedonistic period to start with, and then something went between hedonistic to just, just reckless and dumb. Looking back, what would you uh, like to tell that person prior to getting admitted into St Vincent's? What would you like to tell yourself? Yourself. Oh, oh, look, um, that that element of you. Certainly, um, uh, the I would have liked to have understood uh, that sexualised environment way back in Adelaide that day. What that could have done, right? So, for example, I've had an opportunity now to introduce someone to injecting drugs and, and refused point blank, right? And I, I, I'm not to say it's his mother, uh, but uh, in that one, I had no clue of what I had actually signed up for on that day. There's a range of things. Um, it was such a hot, sexy environment. I, do you blame that person? No, not at all. Absolutely right. not, not. Not at all. I don't think he knew. Um, but knowing what I do now, I would, um, uh, before anyone was to go enter into that world of injecting that environment in which they do it in, um, I understand is is quite pivotal, particularly in the in the early days. So, you know, if it's a, a particularly hot, fun, connected environment, um, that may, in fact, make an association, as it does with me, to that time. And, uh, and that was a very powerful one. So, um, uh, yeah, I've had some, some good times, but I've also, um, my for me, um, um, I don't function well as a injecting drug user. I haven't had drugs, you know, the, since I've got um, out of all that. And so, and, and you know, I've... When I do it, I now only do it for a night, and there's very strict rules. And um, you know, so it's a you set parameters around it uh, for yourself, or and and anyone that I buy from, right? So I'm um, I'm absolutely uh, I, I oh you word them up to you, is so it? you right. must fucking not okay so okay so um each each uh, and and, uh, and that's respected. Oh, like I mean, we're talking sort of five or six times a year kind of stuff now, sure. but um, uh, but uh, I yeah, absolutely. So um, and just, yeah. What would you like to tell uh, anyone listening that uh, has uh, or is considering or has has um, done it, and perhaps may not have may not you know be as far down the path as you, but um, may have tried it a couple of times? Um, what would you like to say to them? Um, if there are other ways to, to get an association with that, chase it. You know, as in um, uh, you know the, the injecting for me is such a powerful one that it. Um, it's, it's a bit of a beast that I struggle to manage, right? So, still, uh, yeah, that hence why I've got to put rules around other people doing it. So it's a, uh, 
Um, and that's basically really saying, look, I am a junkie, uh, but I'm, I'm at least aware enough to know that as a junkie, these are the rules we're going to have. Um, so if you're doing it to hurt yourself, why do it? Um, if you're doing it for fun and you're living, and you're not, again, it's, that, 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 that's it. But the, the capacity for, um, for it to become a, an act of harm as opposed to an act of, of, um, of sexual pleasure or intensity is, um, uh, is one to keep a real close eye on. Do you have any lasting uh, health implications from your drug use? Look, so we're talking now, I'm only just back to sort of full-time work, and that's not every week. So there's times where I, I will fall over for a week uh, where I'm just, just flat. And it's not. It's just a, the, the brain gets exhausted from um, doing it. So, yeah, I'm, I, uh, and that takes the shape of sort of like a mild depression? or um, It's actually just sleep for me. Right, I, okay. I, yeah, I just... Um, Time out. Yeah, so yeah just basically... Huh, and yeah. so... So for me, it's um, uh, I, um, it's a lot of lost opportunity, um, but at the same time, um, it is what it is. It's also framed me in a whole bunch of other ways that I'm actually really delighted by. I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable with how I've handled my, my addiction management. I'm very comfortable with uh, the fact that I've taken ownership of my own responsibilities for that, and that I actually like my life a whole lot better than some of the times beforehand. So. I imagine along the way, uh, you've upset a number of people. <laughs> You're stealing from one of my best mates was probably the highlight, and yeah. a really clever. He might have been one of them that's upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, I thought I was being really fucking clever, and I was that off my guts that it was the most clumsy, uh, stupid thing to do. And so we, he, it was very good of him. But then, look, bar one person who who um, uh, uh, we were in thick of it, and 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 it was never going to work because of the connection with the dealing component. But um, um, most people are pretty good, you know. They'll if you if you if you fuck them over and you apologise and you move on my very special thanks to my guest and you know who you are thank you very much for sharing if this conversation has raised issues for you then please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 they're available for you 24 hours a day 7 days a week or you can check out the resources listed on the blog post of this episode and you'll find those at insidehiv.net And now this music could only mean one thing. It's time to speak with John, who joins us on the line today. John, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Tell me what's going on. Uh, just going to the city after packing stuff up in the country. I'm just relaxing now. You're moving your gear to Melbourne? Yes. And how's the last week been? Let's talk about that. The last week's been quite good. Been relaxing. Yeah, all been good. Beginning appointment today. <laughs> And what have you been doing to look after yourself in the last week? Uh, taking it out of the gym and, yeah, walk, walking to catch on friends this week. How have and, you... Yeah, packing. And packing. Um, what about services that you've accessed and that sort of stuff? Um, I've missed all my appointments this week because I forgot they were on today. But, yeah, we're going good. Like the council last week, I told her, told her what was exactly happening over the last couple of weeks. And, yeah, broke down with her. And yeah, got it all sorted. That sounds all a li- little bit too easy to me. <laughs> a little bit easy, but yeah, the council club was hard. So tell me about it was a hard one. yeah, tell me about that. Y- your first couple of appointments are never going to go as easy as you, you might hope. Um, so how have you managed to um, you know keep on track with those and and open yourself up because that's there's an art to doing that. Um, just, just everything was going, that was going on. Over the last week, we spoke about with that guy, um, but yeah, it all just came out. 
and found underlying problems as well. That was to do I had with my father. It all just come to the head, and I was finally good to get with my chest, everything, and with the HIV as well. So yeah, finally burnt out and yeah, let it all go. It, I feel a lot better than I have. Do you think that HIV, whilst it might be the catalyst, um, has meant that you've had to address some things that uh, have been underlying for some time? Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, especially with my dad's death, that was a big catalyst of the whole, whole lot. And you right hadn't now, talked so about that for some time, had you? No, no. The whole death of my father and what happened had been buried for 13 years. It's a long time. Only two people, yeah, only two people knew what really happened, and that was me and my mother. The rest of the family had no, has no idea the true nature. And it's holding that, protecting my, my, my sisters, basically, has been hard, and that come to point where I just have to let it go. Has it lightened the load? It has. lightened the load a lot. And now that I'm down in the, down in the city now, permanently, it's making, going to make a lot of things a lot easier for me. And then we're travelling to and from the country with money I don't have. <laughs> have you spoken to your sisters at all yet? No, I spoke to my mum. Uh, she's going to sit down with my sisters and let them know what's going on instead of putting any stress on me regarding it. Cool. And you're comfortable with that? Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. And she understands with the stress that I'm going on that she doesn't put me on any more stress at all. I get that. You're going to have to face them at some stage. Yeah, I know. How do you feel That's about that? Uh, they're overseas at the moment, so there's no point um, stressing them out at the moment while they're over there. So the week ahead, what are you going to plan to do to uh, take care of you? The week ahead? Hmm. Finally relax. If you were any more relaxed, you'd be dead. No, I've got uni work to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's it. So I've been focusing on that. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we'll catch up again next week when you're in town, right? No worries. I'm Dean Beck. Stay positive. Inside HIV, the podcast for positive people. Visit InsideHIV.net or download from iTunes. Made possible thanks to the Victorian AIDS Council, the AC working together, and Vive Healthcare Positive Action Community Grants. Follow us on Twitter at HIV Podcast and like us on Facebook. Inside HIV, the podcast for positive people.